Welcome to the Philippe Matthews Show at thepmshow.tv. Named the Oprah of the Internet by Mark Victor Hansen, Philippe Matthews doesn't ask questions that are different. He simply asks questions that make a difference. The Philippe Matthews Show features entertainers, bestsellers, authors, thought leaders, change agents, and world-class experts in the field of personal, spiritual, and professional development. An internet marketing entrepreneur, Philippe is the creator of the How Movement, dedicated to teaching people how to move from the mindset of hope to the process of how. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, move from the mindset of why to the mindset of why not. Tune in right now to this latest latest edition of the Philippe Matthews Show, and watch your life grow. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, on the Philippe Matthews Show, and I have a phenomenal uh, spirit uh, and light with me uh, on the show today. Her name is Rivi Nishima. Uh, she is the author of Recipes for a Sacred Life. Uh, how are you doing, my dear? Hi, I'm so happy to be here with you. Thank you. Wonderful. I'm happy that you're happy to be here, and I'm happy that you're here, and everybody's just happy, and this is a great... <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy you're happy. I'm happy. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Who's on first? What's on second? Um, what I love about this book uh, is uh, it's a book uh, that kind of takes you back to basics. Uh, it's a book that grounds you uh, in, in, in awareness. Uh, but it's also a book that will, will grow you and challenge you. Uh, was that your intention in writing this work? Yes, I think I think subconsciously it was. I was when I was writing it, it just all felt like inspiration that the stories were coming to me. I was told to write them in some way, and that they were for me. They were lessons for me. I, I was teaching mm-hmm. myself. You know, you you write what you need to learn. Oh, isn't that the truth? Very well said. What What do you mean by uh, uh, defining sacred life? Um, uh, what does that mean to you? Well. It means a lot of different things. It can be as simple as being present and being kind, being aware. Um, but I defined it, I made an affirmation at one point when I decided that was my highest purpose. Mm-hmm. And I said that it, it meant connection to others, to nature, to the divine, through love, gratitude, and acts of service. That's fantastic. When did your spiritual journey begin for you? How did that, how did that mm-hmm. manifest and unfold? I think it happened when I was a little girl, and I used to read a lot. There were parts of my childhood that were pretty unhappy, um, but books were my salvation. And and I would read books like Little Women, where they would just talk about simple things and that being poor meant nothing if you were rich in spirit and and giving to others. And I remember how they would make – they were so poor, but they would make Christmas gifts, you know, to take Mm -hmm. to the orphanage and – that and, and Rebecca Bassoni Brook Farm, that was a book that really put me in touch with nature and poetry. So my spiritual journey started when I was about seven. Wow, that's amazing. And you uh, felt that connection all that time. Well, I, no, I did not feel the connection all the time. There were a lot of bad times. <laughs> but but I think it, it was well, maybe like your, a... When did your thinking begin to change? I mean, because you could have been, you could have... Uh, you know, turned a very negative, bitter uh, yes. individual. Uh, yes. You chose not to. What, what was that? What was that turning point or catalyst for you? Um, well, I, I was also very blessed in my life. There were a lot of wonderful things and a lot of love and friends and and teachers and and mysteries and mm-hmm. and 
And I think the fact, and, and being in nature, having chances to get away from cities and to walk on a country road and, you know, to look at the sky at nighttime when you see all the stars, that, that those things were really, that saved me. And, and, and work, I, I had, I was a community organizer most of my life and mm-hmm. that work is so um, nourishing and, you know, it's hard and sad at times, but it's so fulfilling to be able to serve and, um, so I had a lot of different jobs, you know, working with, you know, people who were poor or disadvantaged in some mm-hmm. way. And, and, and that, that helped me. That was That's great fantastic. salvation. That's fantastic. Uh, you call the book, uh, or you use the term uh, in the book, recipe. Uh, mm-hmm. People think that it's a recipe book, uh, or a cookbook, rather. Yeah. Um, why did you choose to use the word recipe? <laughs> well... I, I, it came to me once um, when I was thinking of a title for the book. Um, there's stories. Uh, the subtitle of the book is True Stories and a Few Miracles. I'm a storyteller, and each story illuminates a different aspect of living sacred in, in everyday life, you know, cooking, eating, clothes fine, making love, whatever. But mm-hmm. my mother, um, when I was married the first time, and I was quite young, she gave me a blank recipe book, you know, when you're supposed to fill in all your favorite recipes. And she had put in just two because that's all she had. <laughs> My mother was not much of a cook. And But I was thinking then what I really was looking for were recipes to have a good life and a good marriage. And and my search began, that marriage ended, and um, that's when my journey really intensified, just, you know, how you can live a good life and a life that's touched with sacredness. And um, I saw that these the stories I wrote, that each one kind of had a recipe in it, that people will read the story, they'll laugh, they'll cry, they'll relate, and then they'll add their own ingredients to it, and they'll make, you know, the essence of the story their own. That mm-hmm. The things I learned, I'm passing on the way you pass on recipes. I like that. Now, you, your mom, uh, obviously, she is mentioned quite a bit in the book, uh, was an extreme role model for you, is that right? Um, yes, especially later in life. You know, the, the older she got and the older I got, we both really began to appreciate each other more. And she's in her 90s now, and she's as funny as ever and as strong as ever. So her humor and her spirit, you know, to life um, is in the book. She starts the book. She ends the book. She's one of my teachers. That's fascinating. Who else uh, would you consider uh, your role model uh, that uh, has helped you along the journey uh, along the way? Yeah. Um, well, the Dalai Lama, I love that he says, my religion is very simple, my religion is kindness. You know, I think, yeah, that's it. I mean, it's not that easy to be kind. You know, we have a lot of emotions. Mm-hmm. But when you remember that, um, so he's, he's a big one. And um, Michael Bernard Beckwith, he's in the book a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Um, Rabbi Salman Shachter Shalomi um, influenced um, Deepak Chopra. But then... The teachers in my book, um, a lot of them are strangers on the subway. My grandson, you know, just um, an older woman from the Bronx named Rita, whom I just loved. And mm-hmm. So they, they each were teachers, and sometimes I knew it and sometimes I didn't know it until later when I started writing the stories. Uh, one of the uh, themes in the book is, uh, is forgiveness. Uh, yes. We've heard... Uh, this concept of forgiving and forgiving in, in, in so many different uh, texts. Uh, you have a different story. One of the stories from the section to forgive is divine. Sure. 
Okay. It's called Looking for God in All the Wrong Places. Mm. I was wrestling with night demons, reliving a fight I just had with a friend. In the darkness of the hour, I saw her as cold, scary, and attacking, and myself as hurt, innocent, and ready to strike back. See God in everyone, I thought, an adage I once read, written by some monk, I bet, who lived in a cave with no friends or family to deal with. I mean, seeing God in everyone isn't something I easily do. The first time it happened was in the 70s on the New Jersey Turnpike, when Barry and the kids and I stopped for lunch at a Howard Johnson's. The kids were cranky and fighting, tired from the long ride. I was cranky, too, muttering about fast food chains and how there'd be nothing here I'd like, and I'd rather starve. The waitress, who had a beehive hairdo and his name badge said Pat, smiled broadly and handed us menus. Well, the special of the day was key lime pie. Now that just happens to be my favorite dessert. Still, I grumbled, it would probably be all chemicals and taste like that, too. It's just the stupid hojos. What do you expect? But I took a chance, and here's the truth. It was the best key lime pie I ever ate. Cool, tart, and a crust like butter. I savored each bite, and as I did, I looked around. What I saw were families, all sizes, all races, laughing and eating, squabbling and alive. A wave of love washed through me, and I suddenly saw God everywhere, in that pie, in Pat, in everyone in the room. Right, but you can't just make that kind of thing happen. And on this dark, restless night, decades later, I sure wasn't seeing God and my angry friend. Forget God, I wasn't even seeing anything good. Then I thought of something the Dalai Lama said, something about remembering the good in the person you're angry at the things you like. With that in mind, I began to remember my friend's humor, her empathy, and how she was there for me when I was sick. Soon, she didn't seem so scary or bad. In fact, she began to look again like my friend. Seeing God in everyone isn't easy, but when you see the good in them, you're halfway there. And the funny thing is, what you see is what you get. You just need to know where to look. Wow, that's extremely powerful, uh, Revi. Uh, so, so really, forgiveness is, is, is in, from your from your space is a place of remembering the good uh, of that person or that situation, uh, and just kind of searching for that good in order to invoke that forgiveness. Yes, and um, that was something I learned from the Dalai Lama. I can't remember when he said it, but I feel it's a recipe he gave me. (laughs) And he also said two other things that are very helpful. When you're really angry at someone, to try to figure out all the reasons they might have done what they did. And the the third thing he said um, was to think about a time when you did something similar. And that's pretty easy to do if you're honest. You know? it's, it's, it's upsettingly easy to do. But that's great because then you feel the connection again with the person, that this thing you're so angry about, you can remember there was a time you did something very similar to someone else. Absolutely, absolutely. Talk to me about um, connecting with the sacred. How do you do that on a daily basis? Well, 
the first thing, I'm in the morning, um, I do a little, I, I light the candle and do yoga, and I do a, um, I learn from Wicho Indians, uh, something where I sit down and, and um, do a little ritual, um, but it's also thinking of others sending out light of healing to people who are suffering, and then prayer, and then I go outside before I start the day, and I say hello to the sun, and this is, again, this is a Native American ritual, blessing the four directions above and below, and just saying, you know, or it could just be saying hello to the sun, thank you, you know, thank you for the sunlight, thank you for another day, and that helps get my day on a, a certain direction, that it's a, it's a higher direction before I, you know, lose myself in work and on the computer and in Facebook. <laughs> but um, I think that's going out at least one time in the day, except these lately we've had some freezing days, but going out just to stand outside and look at the sky or look at the stars, that that's a way to come back, you know, to a sense of sacredness. Um, thinking of someone who needs a phone call, you know, that they're sick or they just got divorced or they're going through a hard time, you know, making time to make that phone call or to send them a card, that that just, it's not just helping that person. It, it lifts me into a better space, into a higher space. And, I, you know, I feel <laughs> that sacredness is sort of doing what I'm here to do. And, and when mm -hmm. I do things like that, I feel I'm on track. Um, loving nature, uh, as you had mentioned earlier, um, is, is is that also um, something that everyone can can begin doing uh, wherever they're at? It's just going out and, and, as you say, you know, just looking at the sun and the the, the, the four the four what, what did you call it? The four angles or the four the four directions? Yeah, four directions. north, south, east, west, and then above and below. It's just getting a sense. Oh yeah, this is a big world and. Here I am, one person, you know, right yeah, in the center yeah. here. And and sometimes, like, I like to take the garbage out at night <laughs> because that gets me outside, and then I look up and see the stars. But um, I must say, I give those sacred moments often to my husband. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let him take it out. <laughs> A little tip. <laughs> You probably would not use the word sacred, but uh, <laughs> we all understand that. That is so great. Uh, so talk to me about um, uh, just the relationship of, of knowing uh, Deepak Chopra, the Dalai Lama. I mean, those are uh, forces of nature, if you will. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, they are. Like it felt like you know when Nelson Mandela died. Yeah, it was good to remember. Yeah, yes, that <laughs> he was such a force of of goodness and nature and forgiveness. Absolutely. And so it's good to remember. Well, we still have you know some who are alive, and and there's popes looking good. You know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's it's encouraging. We need. I don't know. I think there's a story once about twelve just men. I think in the Talmud. Um, that for the world to continue, there have to be, you know, 12 just men, and it could be women too, you know, that they're holding the world up. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and, yeah, I think Deepak Chopra and Dalai Lama just might be two of those you know, people. Um, I don't know, really, but I've done their books and I've done lectures and work. Mm -hmm. you, you just feel you're real. 
That's me so important. It's fun to read knowledges. There's a funny um, video about the Dalai Lama going around right now. It's true, and it's real. <laughs> anyway, um, that's one thing that I think makes my book different from most spiritual books. That's very real, you know, that I share. You know, my flaws. I didn't know I was going to share so many of my flaws. And you know, entirely protect. Yeah. And, and reach our highest level of potential. Yeah. Uh, secretly. Uh, being, uh, it, it has been shown uh, scientifically that it actually changes the brain. It actually uh, uh, makes us better. Uh, human beings, better, better spiritual beings, and mm-hmm. experience. Uh, what is your take on that um, uh, in terms of, of giving and being altruistic and having a, um, a, a, a happy mind? Yeah, um, I, I agree totally that, that there's few things that make me happier than helping someone. And it, and it could be like sometimes just in the street, you see someone struggling to carry something, you offer help, and then they smile, and you smile, and you have that great connection that a smile can give, and you just feel good. I just, I do. I just feel so good. And sometimes I've been really busy around the holidays, but it was nice to think, you know, to look at the different charities, you know, the envelopes you get, and, and look at them and read the stories and think, yeah, I really want to help that child. Mm-hmm. You know, in India or Africa, who I can just give a chicken to, but that means that they're going to have eggs, and you know, and you get excited. There's a happiness, and um, I've been reading lately. I, I wish I could remember who said what, but the point was some scientist and, and philosopher who's very well respected and not expected to talk about God, but. He said he, he can't help but think that there is something higher because there's a moral drive in all of us. We want to do good. We want to help. And, and that we, the fact that we feel that and that we feel good when we do it, to him was proof. You know, there is, uh, you know, what did he say, a higher universal consciousness that's slowly waking up. Yeah, this is written into our DNA. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that aspect of humanity uh, that, uh, you know, once you discover that, I remember having a conversation with Dr. Andrew Newberg, who uh, wrote the book Why God Won't Go Away, and he found during his research that we are genetically wired uh, for transcendence, to look and search for um, our purpose and, and something higher, which is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me about... Um, well, I guess you know, from a controversial standpoint, uh, and, and if you want to be funny about it, oxymoron, sacred sex. I mean, uh, <laughs> you talk about that quite a bit in the book. Uh, no, 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 no. no I'm just kidding. One shot. It might boost some sales. It might boost some sales. I don't know. Uh, but talk. <laughs> but you do talk about it in a in a in a way that most people are not uh, used to. It's something that we all do, but we shy away from it when it comes to uh, having a conversation about it. Why is that? Yeah. Well, 
I can't answer the why that is, except, you know, that's probably centuries of, of people being told it's bad. Or, and also, it's funny, I think the fact that, you know, spiritual people, you know, really high monks or ascetics, the fact that they abstain from sex, that, that maybe that gave us the idea that, that it, sex was something bad. But I feel it's because if sex is so sacred that they wanted to make love with God and, and cut out the middleman. And, um, what I say about sacred sex in, in the story I write on it is that when you make love from your heart, sex is sacred and the rest is all detail. And then I say, for those who like details, I give some details, <laughs> 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 you know, how you can really feel the sacredness. And, and the fact, you know, maybe a lot of people don't know that in, in Judaism, um, sex is considered sacred and holy. It's a gift from God. And, mm-hmm. um, in fact, it's considered a mitzvah, something, a blessing, if you make love on, on Sabbath. And uh, then I talk about Tantra, and, and my husband, John, and I, we, we um, experimented with Tantra and had a wonderful Tantra teacher, but we were a little too lazy <laughs> to keep it up. It's a, you know, it's, like we, it's a lot of, you know, ritual. <laughs> you know, we just... Like, you know, honey, let's just get to it tonight. Let's just... <laughs> <laughs> right? We like our down-home. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. That is awesome. I think that's what uh, people love about you and love about this book. Uh, is that just you have a beautiful honesty uh, that is sacred and a gift. Um, where do you think that, that came from? Did that evolve over the years, or were you always like this? Well, I think one, my father and my mother were both, or and my mother still alive, or two of the funniest people that I ever met. <laughs> you know, there's a, a story about my father, life, death, and laughter, and how he was cracking jokes, you know, right before he was dying. And, um, you know, so that the nurse came into the intensive care unit and said, you've got to be quiet. Some people here are critically ill. <laughs> Father was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but so humor, you know, I think I think a lot of cultures... Uh, especially, you know, cultures that have um, have suffered in the centuries more than others. Maybe they they really develop their humor. You know, I, I think that that's. But I think also there's a story. I start, that story about my father. I start by reading, um, not reading, but writing a little story from um, it's an Apache story, Native American, where God was creating people and he. He gave them, he made them able to walk, to see, to hear, you know, to speak, but he wasn't satisfied. And and, and then the Great Spirit taught people to laugh, and they laughed and laughed, and he said, now you're fit to live. So. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I like that story. (laughs) That is awesome. Wow. Yeah. And honestly... Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. You were telling me about honesty. Yeah, because you asked me about honesty too. I, I actually, I, I'm a little bit compulsively honest. You know, <laughs> can get me in trouble. But, <laughs> but I think, um, like someone said to me the other day that, you know, when we we all wear masks and. If we start taking off masks, we're going. It's going to be so much easier. We're going to understand what it means to be human, and to be alive, and to help each other. Uh, how true that is. Um, what is your overall uh, 
desire uh, for people reading this book? When they put, when they pick up this work, mm-hmm. uh, what do you want them to receive? Yes, I want them. I two want two things, and, and I've been hearing from people that this is what they're receiving, and I'm very grateful that they see the sacredness of their own life. And uh, people have said to me, I didn't realize I was spiritual, and you've shown me that I am. And that there's sacredness in so many things I do in, every day. And so that that's it, you know, to be more aware, more open, to deepen it. And that in itself is going to bring more love and joy and purpose into their mm-hmm. lives. I think that's that's what I hope for people, that, that we understand each other, accept each other more, forgive more, be kind, <laughs> take care of the planet. <laughs> I mean, these are big things now, but yeah, I'll be happy if they read it and feel uplifted. <laughs> there, that's well, absolutely, one. and I think, um, you know, as they say, big thing, little things start, uh, uh, or big things start small, mm-hmm. uh, but I think, you know, I kind of look at your work as another layer on the cake, and the more layers that you have, yeah, there's a tipping point, and it doesn't take a lot to do a lot right. uh, and to make that kind of change, especially at the conscious level, and I think you're doing it phenomenally well. Oh, thank you. You are I, So are you. <laughs> you are Thank you. So uh, here's what I want to do, Rivi. I'd love to have you come back on the show, and let's talk a little bit more and get a little bit deeper into um, uh, some of the stories and, and, and some of the processes that uh, – that people can begin uh, implementing and just kind of keep the conversation going. Oh, I'd love that. I knew that would be fun. <laughs> Fantastic. So now how can people get a hold of you and get in contact with you and get the book? Okay. Um, well, the book sold everywhere, and, of course, it's on Amazon. And my name, Rivi, is R-I-V is in Virginia, V is in Virginia, Y. And if you just Google Rivi, there aren't many Rivies. It'll probably come up. <laughs> Rivi Nashama, you'll see my, my – that's my website, RiviNashama.com. Um, or you'll see on – if you go to Amazon and you just put in Rivi, R-I-V-V-Y, my book will come up. And so it, it's not too hard to get in touch with me, and I'd love to hear from people and and be connected and and um, continue the process. The Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, thank you, my love, for sharing your 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 time and space with me today, and uh, and uh, and our audience. And uh, we'll welcome you back soon. Oh, thank you, Philippe. All best to you in this new year. <laughs> thank you so much. You too. Thank you. God bless. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.